5. We're going back to the book of Ephesians. We were there last week, and I brought a message on how's your walk, and today the message deals with how's your will. How's your will? And we're going to talk about understanding the will of God this morning. And so if you, if you have a copy of God's Word, and I know there's the verses that we're going to use for our text, but uh, I want to read a few other verses. So if you have your Bibles open this morning, Ephesians chapter number 5, we'll read a few verses together. Verse number 1, the Bible says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Drop down to verse number 8. The Bible says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But in all things that are reproved, uh, all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that Ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you for your perfect will for our lives. God, there's no doubt that everyone here and every child of God, no matter where they are today, that you have a purpose, a plan for their life. Lord, I don't know what your will is for someone else's life, but I know this much, you have a will for my life. And what you desire is that we would live according to your will, your plan, that we would understand the will of God for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Every day of your life and my life, we make choices that will affect our future. I was talking to one of our teenagers that here today, and he's graduating this year. And I asked him, I said, so what is going to happen after graduation? What's your plan? And he, he was sharing me with he, where he was going to go to school and things like that. But the truth is, is that we, we not, not only need to think about the near future, but we need to make some choices because... Every choice we make is going to affect our future, and these choices that I believe we will make are a direct reflection of the beliefs that we have. In other words, if I am a Christian, if I'm a child of God, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to consider what is God's will for my life? What is God's desire that I do? I think a lot of times as Americans, and by the way, Christians, just like those that are not saved, on days that we call election days, we go to the polls. And when we go to those polls, what do we do? We vote. We vote for candidates, and those votes uh, are votes that will affect our nation, they'll affect our lives, they'll affect us morally, they'll affect us economically, and certainly they're going to affect us spiritually. 
And we have to consider those things. We have to figure out where does this person stand on this, this issue? Where does this person stand on that issue? Because those choices that we make will affect the rest of our life. The key issue in our choice is not that you and I would choose to do the will of man. It's not that we would choose to do the will of an employer, although we need to please our employer when we're at work. It's not that we would choose to, to please a political party. It's the choices that we make should be chosen to reflect our choice to please God, to do God's will for our lives, to accomplish the will of God. Now, some people say, well, I just don't know what God's will is, or I've heard people say this, you can't really know what the will of God is. How can you know it? And the Bible is clear that it says in verse 17 this morning that, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, in other words, God says, I want you to know my will. I want you. God doesn't play games with us. God wants us to know what his will is for our lives. Somebody said the will of God is discernible and it is suitable for every Christian. Every choice that we make is a reflection, again, of our values, our beliefs. We make choices based on what we value the most. Let me say that again. You and I will make choices based on what we value the most. Everybody values things differently. What one person values may be something that no one else values. You ever been to a garage sale? Somebody has something in their hands and it looks like that they just won the lottery. And you're like, why are you getting so excited over a piece of junk? You know? But it's a treasure to them. It's something that they value. And when I think about what we value, it should be what the Bible has to say to understand the will of God. The Bible says this in Proverbs 20, man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? I read an account of a, a, a golfer that was in a tournament and uh, he approached the first tee for the first round of this tournament. And as he got to this tee, it was a, one of those holes that they call a, a hazardous hole. It was a very dangerous, it was a green that was surrounded by water. Now, I've been to those, and most of the time, my golf balls need scuba gear when I go to those types of holes. But he got to this hole, and, and he was debating on whether or not he was going to use his new golf ball. He was sitting there thinking, now, should I use the new golf ball or not use the new golf ball? Because uh, knowing how I play, I might hit it into the water and I'll lose my new golf ball. And so he decided that because it was so treacherous, he pulled out the old ball and he placed it on the tee. And just about the time he was ready to hit it, he heard a voice. And that voice said to him, use the new ball. So he a little bit kind of shook. He took the ball off the tee and he replaced it with a new ball and so he got up there and he was going to hit and then he heard the voice again and the, the voice said take a practice swing so he stepped back from the ball and he took a practice swing and after the practice swing he was feeling pretty confident so he approached the tee and then he heard a voice again saying better use the old ball Now, I can tell you this morning, here's some good advice 
the will of God, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. God, what is your will for my life? You know, when I think about God's will, there is a priority when it comes to the will of God. The priority of the will of God, I want you to consider this morning, why is, or should we consider God's will? What is the, the, this whole thing about the priority of it? Well, again, as we talked last week, it's because time is short. The Bible says again in verse 15, seeing that uh, we understand, it says, knowing that we should walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word redeem says, look, you and I, we need to make the most out of the time that God gives to us. You know why? Because we don't know how much time we have. We don't know how much longer we have. We need to make the most out of every day. One of the great leaders of days gone by, Napoleon. I was reading a little bit about Napoleon, and Napoleon made this statement. He said, there is in the midst of every great battle a 10 to 15 minute period that is the crucial point of the battle. He said that period, that 10 to 15 minute window, he says, is the period that you can win the battle. He says, but if you lose it, you will be defeated. We need to make the most out of every opportunity. Again, no one knows how much time we have. And Jesus said himself, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. We need to make the most out of the priority of God's will. Why? Because time is short. But notice the Bible says in, in, here in our passage that the days are bad. Not only is time brief, but the days are bad. The word evil or bad in the Bible, kind of interesting. It's the actual word kakos. <laughs> interesting, the word God chose. But that describes the days that we're living in. The days are evil. The days are bad. And our opportunities that we have, look, we have time right now, but our time is limited. We live in evil days. Would you not agree this morning? I mean, when you consider, uh, just turn on the television. Turn on primetime television. Did you hear the words? Not late, late show, primetime. It's amazing, some of the stuff that is promoting wickedness. And by the way, it's nothing new. It's been that way for years. But I'm going to tell you this morning, as, as believers this morning, we need to understand that much of entertainment today, you know what it does? It, it presents a false or an incomplete picture of reality, and the way it does that is it leaves Jesus out of the picture. It just gives you a partial, incomplete picture. Even if there are no negatives on that show in making references to Christianity, the picture that the, of the world that we expose ourselves to, you know what it does is it ignores the most important element that we need in our lives, and that is it ignores God. There's no mention of God or the things of God. If you watch TV sitcoms or movies, you may internalize a false picture of human relationships. I mean, you think about how many shows on primetime TV, and you look at the, if we call it the family unit, and how perverse and corrupt the family units are on most of those primetime shows. Uh, again, if you, when you expose yourself to ungodly acts, your thoughts, even about sex, are likely to become more and more like the world's and less and less like God's. And before long, what we'll find is because we're watching that, we're filling our heads and we're filling our hearts 
here's what happens is we begin to fantasize about things. We begin to think outside of the will of God. The safest place for any Christian to be is inside the will of God. We can understand the will of God. The psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Colossians 3, if ye therefore be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above and not on things of this earth. If we're going to understand the will of God and we need to see the priority of the will of God, we've got to see that the time is brief, the days are bad. Notice thirdly, the reward is big. It's huge. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 2. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he or she that doeth the will of God abideth for how long? Forever. Forever. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Reward is great. When Jesus stood and he preached the Sermon on the Mount, and he shared those Beatitudes, Jesus said in verse number 12 of Matthew 5, Rejoice! And be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Think about it, folks. Someday we will be with the Lord. It's God's will that everyone should go to heaven someday. It's not for a limited group of people. God wants everyone. And the reason that we see the priority of the will of God is because the reward is big. But notice letter D, that we need to understand the priority because the option is bedlam. The option is bedlam. In other words, there are so many that don't understand the opposite of obeying the will of God. Doing the will of God is disobeying the will of God. So important to understand God's will. 2 Corinthians 5.15 And that he, Jesus, died for all, that they which live, and by the way, the only way you can live is through Christ, but the Bible says that we who are alive in Christ should not, henceforth, from the moment that you get saved, you should not live unto yourselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now this morning we have to consider, if we're thinking about, and by the way, it is called the will of who? Of God. It's God's will. See, the battle this morning is, is it my will or is it God's will? Our overwhelming desire as a human being in decision-making should be that I want to do God's will. I want to seek counsel from the Lord. I read in, in some of my studies this week, there was a book that was published a few years back by a lady named Judith Wallerstein, and the book was entitled The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce. And I know even in this auditorium this morning that divorce may have touched your home, and we're not against folks that have gone through that, but understand that God's word is pretty clear when it comes to this. And, and listen, we all have to work through situations sometimes, but in this study, here's what Judith mentioned. She said, as I began to study the effects of divorce on children, because remember, we're talking choices, we're talking the will of God. And Judith said, as I began to study the effects of divorce on children and parents, Back in the early 17, uh, 1970s, I did not realize that divorce is a life-transforming experience. After divorce, children are different. 
Adolescence is different. Adulthood, with the decision to marry or not to marry, have children or not have children, is different. Whether the final outcome is good or bad, here's what Judith concluded. The whole trajectory of an individual's life is profoundly altered by the divorce experience. And yet the Bible says in Matthew 19, whether therefore they are no more twain, but one flesh, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And we need to understand that, look, no matter what's happened in the past, from here this point forward, we who are alive in Christ, that the will of God is that you and I should choose that we are together around our house as we raised our children. We understood the priority of God's will for our lives, that we are a husband and wife that God brought together and that we were going to raise our family. And look, so many millions of Americans, what they're doing is they are searching for approval, but they're searching for approval in all the wrong places. We have the power of choice, and once we make that choice, that choice has power over us. See, we need to see the priority. God says we need to understand. Don't be foolish. Be wise to understand what the will of, of the Lord is. So we see the priority of the will of God. Notice, how do we get to the will of God? Sometimes people ask, so what is the pathway to the will of God? Let me share with you this morning because I think it's important, not just for these teenagers, but for every one of us this morning to find the will of God for our lives, but also to function in the will of God. What is God's will? What would God have me to do? Somebody said, behind our lives, the weaver stands and works his wondrous will. We leave it all in his all-wise hands and trust his perfect skill. See, outside of the will of God, we are weak, we are frustrated, and we are ineffective. So how do we find God's will? Where do we look? Where is the pathway to the will of God for my life and for your life? I'll show you. First of all, we, we find it in this matter of looking to the scriptures. The pathway, we must start with looking to the scriptures. You find that as you look in the word of God, we see general principles of how we can know God's will. And we find in the word of God, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We live in a dark world. We need something to show us the way. You're either going to follow the world or you're going to follow the will of God. And the psalmist says, thy word is a lamp. Psalm 119.9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Here's how. By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. Psalm 119 verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? Why did I put it there? That I might not sin against God. Many people make decisions, and those decisions are not based on principles. Here's what they do. They rationalize. They try to justify things. But then in the end, they become a victim of their choices. Remember back in Genesis chapter 3? God put man and woman in the garden. Beautiful place. Had everything that they wanted. And then they made a choice. 
and that choice had power over them. Eve began to entertain the temptation of Satan. Somebody said, circumstances are many, principles are few. Circumstances always change, but principles never do. God's word never changes. God's word is forever settled. A principle, listen, this morning, you have to understand for your life, if you're going to know the will of God, you've got to look to the scriptures. What is a principle? It is a fundamental truth that serves as the foundation for all that you believe and all that you practice. We need to have a principled life. As you see in God's word, it's his will that we live a life that's based on the principles of the word of God. Folks, look, if your life is not founded upon the word of God, then I dare say this morning there's a good chance you might not be living in the will of God for your life. So we need to look to the scriptures this morning, but what's the next part of the pathway? And here it is. Secondly, the pathway is to be ready to surrender. Because as you look in the word of God, here's what you find. Verses like Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Remember last week I shared the, the, the passage where Jesus gave the story about the maniac of Gadara and how he was cutting himself and he was in the tombs and he was naked and no one could tame him. They had tried everything that they could, but when he met Jesus, he was sitting at his feet, clothed and in his right mind. Do you know how you can renew a mind that's been abused by the things of this world? Get into the scriptures. And as you get into the word of God, guess what the Bible tells you? It says if you are going to find the pathway to the will of God, you're going to have to be ready to surrender. They asked uh, William Booth, who, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, they said, can you tell us, General Booth, the secret to your success? And here's what this man said. He hesitated for a bit. They said that tears began to swell in his eyes, and he said these words, I will tell you the secret, and here it is. God has had all there was of me. God has had all there was of me. Booth didn't keep anything to himself. He didn't reserve anything. He says, look, I want to be in the center of God's will. But again, being in God's will, the pathway is to look in the scriptures, to be ready to surrender. But then notice that it is the next step is to be willing to suffer part of the pathway. That's why a lot of Christians say, look, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't sign on for this. I don't know if I'm really ready to suffer for the Lord. But can I tell you that God's purpose in our suffering is not to be mean to us, not to harm us. It is for our purification. God uses times of suffering in our lives. Peter says, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. In other words, what Jesus went through. By the way, you're never going to be asked to go to Calvary. But you might be asked to suffer for the cause of Christ. And he says, I want you to arm yourself likewise with the same mind. 
For he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to live the rest of that time to the will of God. God says it's through those times of suffering. Peter also wrote in that same chapter, Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God, notice, commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing. See, when we're, we're in the center of God's will, even if there's a time of suffering, listen, God is pleased with that. Years ago, a great preacher, Robert Murray McShane, said these words, Everyone that gets to the throne must put their feet upon the throne. He says, the way to the crown is by the cross. We must taste the fall if we are going to taste the glory. When justified by faith, God brought Israel through the Red Sea. He led them into the wilderness. So when God saves a soul, he tries it. He never gives faith without trying it. The way to Zion is through the Valley of Boca. We must go through the wilderness of Jordan. If you are to come to the land of promise, some believers are much surprised when they are called to suffer. They thought that they would do some great thing for God, but all that God permits them to do is to suffer. Remember the story of Moses in, in Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of faith? And the life of Moses, the Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You know, sometimes the will of God, the pathway to the will of God, we find through the scriptures and we find it's through this surrendering of our lives, but there may also be this matter of suffering. And I, listen, folks, I think sometimes we think our suffering is something that is equivalent to what Jesus threw, uh, went through. But I think many times, uh, again, last week I mentioned, and I'm not a fan of the dentist, you know? And I know this is the second week in a row, but I had a bad experience many times. And it, it scarred me for life. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. None of that will compare to what Jesus did for us. And see, I see the pathway in our lives that sometimes... It means surrendering our lives. It means to be willing to suffer. But look, what is it going to produce? Notice thirdly, the will of God produces some things. First of all, it produces our protection. Aren't you glad for the protection of Almighty God in your life? Have you had a time where you've realized, had it not been for the Lord, I would have done this, I would have been this? But listen, God intervenes in our lives. We see it in Deuteronomy 32. The Bible says, he found him in a desert land. And in the waste, howling wilderness, he led him about and instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. One of these verses that I just love in the Bible, the apple of his eye, God, how God protected Israel and how God protected his people. And, and in this passage in Deuteronomy 32, Moses here, what he's doing is he's praising God. By the way, you and I ought to do the same thing. Praise God for the many ways that he has kept us, the many ways he's guarded us and he's protected us. But Moses was praising God for how he was caring for his people, how God shielded them and God protected them. 
And he guarded them, as the Bible says here, as the apple of his eye. Now that statement kind of got me. I'd never really spent much time there, but I found out that the word apple literally means pupil, like the pupil of your eye. And the Bible says he kept him as the apple of his eye. Now think about that, because what is it that guards the pupil, the eyelid? And an old preacher years ago said, you know what God is? God's an eyelid. Somebody thought an eyelid. But he says God automatically protects the tender eye. The eyelid guards the eye from danger by blinking. It helps to remove dirt and dust. It keeps sweat out of your eyes. It lubricates the eyeball. It keeps it healthy. It closes, allowing us to rest. Hey, the next time you blink, thank God for his protection. The will of God, folks. I'm going to tell you something. The greatest place that you can be is to find yourself in the will of God. God says you can understand it. There's a priority to the will of God, and there's a pathway to the will of God. But there's some great products that come out of being in the center of my will. One of those is I'll protect you. Look at the second one. The second product is that the will of God produces our purpose. Our purpose. You know, sometimes I ask people, so what are you doing with your life? You know what I'm asking them? What's the purpose of your life? So many people just wander around in life aimlessly. What's the purpose? But I love what the psalmist said. He says, delight thyself also in the Lord. And if you are delighting yourself in the Lord, in the will of God, the Bible says that he shall give thee the desires of your heart. Boy, I sure wish God would bless me. Are you in the center of God's will? Are you delighting in the Lord? Are you happy to be in Jesus? Well, I can't be happy because I'm suffering. Well, again, it may be part of God's will for you. I, I just don't, you know, God just keeps asking me to do this and asking me to do that. God may be trying to get you to surrender, but it's all a part of his will for your life. And I find here that God produces the purpose for our lives. When we are what God wants us to be, and when God is in control of our will, then I find that God will then give us the desires that, listen, God has planted in our hearts. Where do those desires come from? Listen, folks, they shouldn't be the desires of this world or the, of the flesh. They should be, God, what do you want me to do? See, I see that God has promised to produce from his will our protection to give us a purpose. But how about this? The third product is God produces our peace. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Let's read that verse together. Great peace have they which love thy law. Yeah, now let's read it this time like we mean it. All right, here we go. Great peace have they which love thy law. How much has offended you this week? Did you get offended at somebody this week? Are you in the will of God? Great peace. That peace that passes all understanding. Great peace, he says. Look at the verse again. He says, have they which love thy law. 
the word law there is a reference to the Word of God. We find God's will for our lives in the Word of God. And as I get into the Word of God and I see what God's will is for me, am I loving God's will for my life? Remember, it's not what you want, it's what He wants. How many of you would agree with me this morning, God wants His best for you? I don't think God ever would do anything to harm us, to hurt us. God will not tempt you with evil. But the Bible says, and I see so many people that get so offended with every little bitty thing. But God says, if you're in my will, then you're going to have a peace that, that passes all understanding. And nothing shall offend them. There's no greater peace than the peace that comes from making the right choice. Somebody said there's no softer pillow than a clear conscience. No softer pillow. You think about the peace that God gives us. You remember what it was like when you got saved? The peace that flooded your soul? Some of you have been saved for so long, you forgot about that. It's been so long since you've thought about how the Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the most important choice that you'll ever make is this question, what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with him? It's your will to choose. God's given you what we call a free will to make whatever choice you want. But can I tell you this morning that it is God's will that everyone would come to repentance. Look what it says in 1 Timothy 2. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. A.W. Tozer said, if I look at the world, I will conform to the ways of the world. If I look at the word, I will conform to the will of God. I'll conform to the will of God. See, when we, when we long to get as close to the world as we can and still feel good about ourselves as Christians, it will not be long before we'll pull back into our pursuit of God, we have to understand that there's a great drawing in this, in, in this world, the power and the things of this world. Satan is a master of temptation. Look, he tried to tempt the Lord Jesus. And we must remain on guard and to fix our hearts on God. Somebody said the direction you lean will be the direction you fall. So take great care in what holds your affections. What holds your affections? So this morning, I want to ask you, do you understand? You don't have to answer me. But this morning in your heart, do you understand, completely understand, what God's will is for your life? God says it's a priority to know my will. And there's a pathway that will lead you into my will. And once you're in my will, it's going to produce some great things for your life. I heard a story of an old Scottish woman. She went from house to house across the country selling items like thread, buttons, even shoestrings. When she came to an unmarked crossroad, she literally would toss a stick into the air. And she would go in the direction on the crossroad, whatever direction the stick pointed to when it landed on the ground. That's what she would do. 
One day, however, she was seen tossing the stick up several times. Somebody asked her, they said, why are you tossing the stick up more than once? And the woman said, because it keeps pointing to the left and I want to go to the right. (laughs) You know, she was throwing that stick into the air, listen, until it pointed the direction she wanted to go. Is that direction the direction God wants you to go? It's not like tossing a stick in the air or rolling some dice, but it's understanding from God's word what God's will is for you. And can I tell you this morning, God's will for your life is not the same as God's will for my life. But you can understand it because God will help you to know it. Let's bow our heads this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I remember as you're as you're bowing your heads this morning, I remember what Jesus prayed as he was hanging on the cross. I remember prior to that as Jesus was praying in the garden, and I remember the words that he said, Father, if it be willing, remove this cup from me. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. How many of you this morning would be honest and say to God, Lord, I'm tired of fighting you. In my flesh, I've wanted what I've wanted without even considering what your will is for my life. And today, you have shown me from your word and by your Holy Spirit that I would be much better off living in your will, doing your will, than doing things my way. How many of you would, by an upraised hand, say, God, that's what I want for my life. Would you slip your hand up this morning as a testimony to the Lord? God, not my will, but thine be done. Many, many hands across the auditorium. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The piano's playing this morning. The invitation's simple. It's an opportunity for you to come so many of you that raised your hands why don't you step out and come to the lord this morning it's nothing that you have to think about well, what will people think doesn't matter what people think you came to god's house this morning god by his holy spirit has spoken to you it's about god's will some of you just need to make a promise to the lord i'm going to get in your word more i'm going to look to the scriptures more Then look to this world, to the things of this world, to to all that this world has to offer. God, I want to know what you want. I need to know how to be a better husband, how to lead my family, how to be a better Christian. So many things. How to be a better wife. How to be a better son or daughter. So many of us need to be willing to surrender. Oh, I think about what Jesus said. I think about that so many times. He didn't die on that cross for anything he did. He was without sin. He died for our sins. But he was still willing. He was still willing. He was God in the flesh. And he still submitted himself and said, Father, not my will 
if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, why don't you come today? Why don't you come and receive, receive the gift of God, which is Jesus? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Him as your Savior, today is the day. Trust Him today. Lord, thank you for this morning. I pray that you'd bless. God, if we would all just be your children living inside of your will, clearly from the scriptures you have shown us today, there's a priority. Time is short. The days are evil. Lord, if we're not doing your will, we're disobeying your will. We don't have to look around. We don't have to read a newspaper. We don't have to Google. We just have to go to you, get in the Word, and you'll show us what your will is for our lives. And I'm thankful that when we get into the will of God, we understand it. We can see what it will produce. Lord, next time somebody does something to us, we won't get offended if we're in your will and we're filled with the Spirit. Lord, I pray that you continue to protect us, that you help us to live out the purpose that you have for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.